0: This is the Defender Radio News Brief. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers. This news brief is brought to you by the Defender Radio Patreon. Support the show and get bonus content and extras, including contests and giveaways, all for as little as $1 per month. Sign up now at patreon.com slash Defender Radio. We've all heard the phrase, Wildlife management should be science-based. It's spoken by advocates who are opposed to all hunting and trapping, those who think hunting and trapping is all that stands between humanity and bedlam and everyone else in between. But is wildlife management in North America actually science-based? That's the question posed by a team of scientists from Raincoast Conservation Foundation, Simon Fraser University, University of Victoria, and the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Their study, Hallmarks of Science Missing from North American Wildlife Management, published by Science Advances earlier this month, asked the question and came up with some disturbing results. I connected with Dr. Kyle Artell, one of the authors of the study, to get a deeper understanding of what the team found. A full version of this interview will be available later this week on thefurbears.com, in the iTunes Store, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Frequently, management policies are said to be science-based, or the term science is used as a bit of a magic wand to explain a decision. But understanding what exactly that blanket term means is a bit of a puzzle at times, according to Dr. Artel.
1: Science has a lot of weight as a term. And, and uh, I think when the public hears that something has been proven scientifically or shown scientifically, that carries with it a lot of weight. Uh, and in a lot of ways, that, that's reasonable, uh, if something has actually undergone sort of the checks and balances of the scientific process. But what it's, what's meant by science-based when we're talking about a management context, uh, is, is less clear. And we found that in most cases where a science-based claim was being made for sort of a preferred policy, uh, that there was rarely an explanation of what exactly that means.
0: So that the term was being used, but what the term meant was lacking. The first step then, is to define what science-based means in the context of wildlife management.
1: We went to the literature on wildlife management, literature on on checks and balances in the sciences uh, and whatnot, and we pulled together four key hallmarks that one would expect in general if an approach did indeed have these sort of checks and balances of a scientific approach. So these sort of, regardless of what you're doing, if you're using the the, the scientific term to suggest that your approach has rigor, what checks and balances ought to be expected? And those four that we identified were clear objectives, the use of evidence, uh, transparency, and external scrutiny, so having someone externally sort of checking the work that's being done. So, so identifying those four hallmarks was our first step, saying, okay, well, this this is a reasonable expectation one might have in a, in a given case where someone's claiming to have a science-based approach. So we offer this as a as sort of a... Almost a, a starting ground to have a common language, uh, a common assumption again when these claims are made.
0: The in-depth results of this study are available publicly, and Dr. Artell suggests that the challenges put forth by his team can be used by the public, government managers, or researchers to determine if a policy is science-based as well as what other influences may be at play.
1: If you find, for example, that a particular ostensibly science-based claim is lacking, then that gives you some insight into the, the, the extent to which the science is a standalone piece is there at all. And it also helps you to start to understand where the science does begin and end. So I think sort of using a framework like this as a litmus test to see where the science begins and ends is one step that can be done to see well, what it's actually underpinning this. And the better that it's understood and the better that it's communicated where the specific science begins and ends in a given system, it becomes clearer where the other elements necessarily come into effect. So I'd suggest that, yeah, in particular cases with a science-based claim, it would be helpful to go in there and just, again, assess it using an approach such as this. See where the science is, characterize it, and then see, well, maybe this decision is in line with the science, maybe it's not, or maybe the specific claim... It's just not answerable by science, especially if there's sort of these uh, words such as should involved in there, which natural sciences are not able to uh,
0: to address. You can get more information on Raincoast Conservation Foundation, this study, and many other fascinating projects at raincoast.org. This news brief was presented by the Defender Radio Patreon. Support the show and get involved for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash defender radio a full-length edit of this interview will be available later this week at thefurbears.com the itunes store or your preferred podcast players feed thanks for listening i'm michael howey for defender radio reminding you to stay informed and stay strong